0: Right, we well, are there in Genesis chapter number thirteen, and this seems like a whole life ago. But uh, we were actually on Sunday nights in a series entitled "The Patriarchs," and we've been studying through the lives of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob on Sunday nights. Now, last Sunday night, we took a break from that to deal with uh, the Orlando thing, and that turned into well, you know. And uh, but we're getting back into our series tonight, and tonight I want to deal specifically with the subject of a man in the Bible by the name of Lot. If you look at, Abraham, uh, at uh, Genesis chapter 13 and verse 1, the Bible says, And Abraham went up out of Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and Lot with him into the south. And here's what I want you to understand. Lot was basically a complete failure in life. And uh, keep your place there in in Genesis 13. That's where we're going to to be. But let me lay a little bit of a foundation. Go with me to Genesis chapter number 19. And, of course, Genesis 19 is the passage about Sodom and Gomorrah. And I'm not going to deal with that uh, tonight. I'm kind of just tired of that subject. But uh, look at Genesis 19 and verse number 12. I do want you to notice a few things about Lot. Lot had no influence over his grown and married children. In Genesis 19 and verse 12, The Bible says, And the men, this is referring to the angels who came to bring Lot out of Sodom and Gomorrah before God was going to destroy it. And the men said unto Lot, Has thou thou here any besides, son-in-law, and thy sons, and thy daughters, and whatsoever thou hast in the city? Bring them out of this place, for we will destroy this place, because the cry of them is waxen great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. And Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. And when the morning arose, and the angels hastened uh, hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters, which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of thy city. And here's what I want you to notice. Lot had raised... Children And here we're told, in verse 15, we're told that the angel said, look, take your wife and the two daughters which are here. So he had two daughters that were living with him, and the angel said, take those daughters, because when he talked to his sons-in-law and the daughters that had already been married off, he had no influence over them. Now, a goal that we should all have as parents is is to be able to raise our children in a way that even when they are are adults, that we would have a relationship with them. I hope that my adult uh, children, when they're grown and married, that I will have raised them in a way that they will have enough respect for me that if I said, hey, God's going to destroy the city, we need to leave, they would say, let's go, you know. But Lot, I want you to notice, had no influence over his children. Basically, the world had the influence over them. Not only did Lot have no influence over his children, he had no influence over his wife. You're there in Genesis 19, skip down to verse number 17. Remember when they were leaving Sodom, uh, the Bible says in verse 17, And it came to pass when they had brought them forth abroad, that he said, Escape for thy life. And this is the instructions they were given. Look not behind thee. Neither stay thou in all the plain, except to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. They were told specifically, you need to get out of here and don't look back. Look not behind thee. And notice what his wife does in verse number 24 of the same chapter. Genesis 19 and verse 24 and then the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities and that which grew upon the ground. Notice verse 26. But his wife looked back from behind him and she became a pillar of salt. I want you to notice the influence that the, family of, that the world had upon the family of Lot. They had such an influence uh, of the world that Lot could not get his married children to leave Sodom with him. They, they, they had such the heart of their family that, that his, his wife couldn't even keep from looking back when God destroyed. She had to look back. And here's why she looked back, because that's where her heart was. And even Lot's daughters that were with him ended up having more of a worldly influence then a godly influence, you're there in Genesis 19, look down at verse number 30. And Lot went up to, out of Zoar, and dwelt in the mountains, and his two daughters with him, for he feared to dwell in Zoar, and he dwelt in a cave, he and his two daughters. And the firstborn said unto the younger, our father is old, and there is not a man in the earth to come in unto us. They basically saw Sodom and Gomorrah destroyed, and they thought God destroyed every, everything. There's no one left on the earth, just us. They said there's no one to give us children after the manner of all the earth. Look at verse 32. Come, let us make our father drink wine, and we will lie with him, that we may preserve seed of our father. And you think, what kind of ridiculous idea is that? But listen to me. When you raise your children in Sodom, they're going to think like that. When you raise your children around perverts, they're going to think perverted ways. And here you've got these daughters saying, there's no one to, to come in unto us. There's no one to give us children. And we, you know, we won't read the entire passage there, but they get Lot drunk and they basically lie with him, both the daughters, over a period of a couple of nights. Look down at verse number 36. Thus were both the daughters of Lot with child by their father. And here's what I want you to understand. Lot's Married children died in Sodom, Lot's wife died coming out of Sodom, and and then he ends up impregnating his two daughters because their mindset is so corrupt that they think they're doing something good for humanity, and they're just not thinking straight because they've been so brainwashed by the society and the world that they were living in. And the reason I'm showing you all this is to explain to you, Lot was a complete and utter failure. And here's what I want you to understand. Lot was a saved man. Keep your finger there in the book of Genesis. Go with me to 2 Peter chapter number 2. 2 Peter chapter number 2. I'm kind of just laying the foundation. We'll get into the sermon here in a minute. If you go backwards from the book of Revelation, you go past the book of Jude, past 3rd, 2nd, and 1st John, into the book of 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter number 2 and verse number 7. And when you get to 2 Peter, I'd like you to do me a favor. uh, Put a bulletin or a ribbon ...or a bookmark or something there in 2 Peter... ...because we're going to leave it and we're going to come back to it, all right? 2 Peter, chapter number 2, and look at verse number 7. The Bible says, "...and delivered..." ...talking about the fact that the angels came and delivered... ...notice these words, "...just Lot... ...vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked... ...for that righteous man..." Notice, Notice how Lot is referred to in the Bible. "...he's just Lot, he's a righteous man..." dwelling among them and seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. I want you to understand this. Lot was a failure at life, but please understand that Lot was a believer. He was a saved man. And by the way, this is why we need to reject this idea that, you know, we can figure out who's saved and who's not saved based on how they live their lives. Because the only reason in the world that you and I know that Lot is saved is because the Bible tells us so. If we were to simply just look at his life and look at the things that pr- were produced in his life, no one would say, of course that guy's saved. Of course that guy's a believer. But all the way in 2 Peter 2, we're told that he was a just man. We're told that he was a righteous man. Not in the way that he lived, but in his standing before God. Because he was saved. He was a believer. Now here's you say, well, Pastor Jimenez, why are you uh, explaining all this to us? Why are you teaching us all this? Go back to Genesis chapter 13. Here's what I want you to understand. Lot ruined his life as a saved, as a believing man. He ruined his life. You say, why did that happen? It happened because he got backslidden. It happened because even though he was saved, he was not right with God. Even though he was saved, he wasn't living for God. Even though he was saved, he was living for the world. And we see it happen in Genesis chapter 13. And I want you to notice the steps that Lot failed to take in order to keep his heart right and keep his walk right with God, and it ended up taking a toll on him and his entire family. See, sometimes people that are saved get backslidden. Sometimes people that are saved end up living for the world. And it doesn't happen overnight. It happens through a series of steps. So I want to teach you tonight how to not end up like Lot. I want to teach you tonight how to not end up at the end of your life looking back and saying, what happened? What happened to my marriage? What happened to my children? I mean, there was a time in my life when I was on fire. There was a time in my life when I was just on right with God. I mean, I was there on Sunday morning. I was there on Sunday night. I was there for soul winning. I was reading my Bible. I mean, there was a time in my life. You know, I don't want you to look back at your life and say, you remember back in 2016? You remember that whole Orlando thing? I mean, there was a time in my life when I was so on fire for God. I drove 11 hours just to show my support. And now... My life is ruined. And now my children are just worldly and corrupted. I want to teach you how to not end up like Lot. I want to give you three points tonight in regards to how to not end up backslidden. Number one, if you'd write this down, I'd appreciate it. If you don't have a child on your lap or something like that, I'd like you to take some notes tonight. Number one, keep your attention toward the right place. If you're going to finish your life like the Apostle Paul to be able to say, I've finished my course, I've kept the faith, I'm ready now to be offered, you need to keep your attention towards the right place. Are you there in Genesis chapter 13? I'd like you to notice verse number 10. If you don't mind writing in your Bible, I'd like you to underline this phrase, and Lot lifted up his eyes. Do you see that? See, the problem with Lot... See. Abraham comes to Lot and says, hey, listen, Lot, we've got too much, too much property here. We've, we've got too much, uh, too, too much cattle here, and, and, and we're going to have to do something about this. And Abraham basically says, if you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. And he, and, and he, and he esteemed Lot better than himself and said, I'll let you choose. And the Bible tells us here in verse number 10 that Lot lifted up his eyes. Now, here's what he should have done. Lot should have bowed his head. I mean, Lot should have gone to God in prayer. Lot should have found the mind of God on this, on this thing. Lot should have said, well, well, what does God want me to do? But Lot ended up getting backslidden because he was following his eyes. See, the Bible tells us, and I'd like you to keep your place there in Genesis 13. Go with me to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter number 6. But while you turn there, I'd like you to notice 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, I'm sorry, you go to Matthew. I'll just read for you. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says this, For we walk by faith. Not by sight. Right. See, as Christians, we need to be careful that our attention, the things that we are focused on, where our eyes are, are on the right place. So you're there in Matthew chapter six. Look at verse number 22. Matthew chapter six and verse number 22, the Bible says, "The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. Notice what he says. No man can serve two masters. Now, when you look at those passages, you say, because in verse 24 he says, hey, no man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. And he says, ye cannot serve God and... Now, here's the thing. If you and I were going to write this verse... And we were going to say, You cannot serve God and, you know how you and I would write that? We'd write, You cannot serve God and the devil. You cannot serve God and the world. You cannot serve God and your flesh. But when the Holy Spirit of God decided to write this verse down, you know what he put? He said, You cannot serve God and mammon. Say, Well, what's mammon? Material wealth. What's mammon? Money. What's mammon? Possessions. What's mammon? Things. Say, well, what does that have to do with your eye? Here's what it has to do with your eye. When you are led by your eyes, you will make covetous decisions. You will make decisions based on money. You will make decisions based on wealth. You will make decisions based on the things of this world because Lot had his eyes not on the things of God but upon the things of this world. He lifted up his eyes, but he looked at the things of the world. He lifted up his eyes and he saw the well-watered plains of uh, 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 of uh, of the land there. He lifted up his eyes and he say and, and he saw. I see money. I see cattle. I can do well over there. And he was led by his eyes, and it allowed him to become a covetous person. The sin, of co- the sin of coveting is a huge sin. The Bible actually tells us that we are to kick people out of the church for being covetous. That's how, uh, how, how grave of a sin it is. And let, let me explain something to you. You say, well, is coveting that big of a deal? Let me explain something to you. When you go to a church and you say, I am sold out, I mean, I'm in this thing, I, 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 I am all for, you know, this church and its message, and what is it, and then, and then your pastor gets up and says something on a Sunday night that the world considers stupid or hateful, and then the media shows up. You know, you know why the people, and there's not a lot of them, but the people that have quit Verity Baptist Church, I don't care what they say, you know that the people that quit this church when this whole thing with the media happened, they all quit the church for one reason, the love of money. Amen. Right. They've all quit the church for one reason, because they were afraid they're going to lose their job. Amen. They all quit their church for one reason, because their eyes were not on the things of God. Their eyes were on the things of this world. And when your eyes are on the things of this world, you will be a covetous person. You will be a selfish person. You will think only of yourself. And you know how you you say, you know, I don't want to end up like Lot. Let me tell you something. The best way to end up like Lot is by putting your focus on the things of this world. Lot lifted up his eyes, but unfortunately he didn't look to God. He looked to the world. And look, the light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, the whole body shall be full of light. But, 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 if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. And he says, no man can serve two masters. You've got to decide. Look, you, you've got to decide. Am I on God's side or am I on money's side? Look, as a preacher, I've got to decide. Am I on God's side? Am I going to serve God or am I going to serve mammon? Because look, if I'm going to serve mammon, there's some things I'm not going to preach. There's some verses I'm not going to go to. There's some subjects I'm not going to deal with. And we all have to decide where are our eyes. Amen. See, If you want to stay right with God, you've got to keep your attention, your eyes on the right thing. Go to the book of Hebrews with me. Hebrews chapter number 11. Did you keep your place in 2 Peter? If you start at 2 Peter going backwards, you're going to go past 1 Peter, past James, Hebrews. Hebrews chapter number 11 and verse number 13. Hebrews chapter number 11. And look at verse number 13, Hebrews chapter number 11 and verse 13. Here's what you need to understand. What you give your attention to, you will give your affection to. What you give your attention to, you will give your affection to. The things that you look at constantly, the things that you think about constantly, you will begin to love those things. Lamentations 3.51, you don't have to turn there. I'll read it for you. You can jot it down. Lamentations 3.51 says this, Mine eye affecteth mine heart. And if your eyes are constantly just, your mind is constantly just on the things of this world, the money of this world, the the convenience of this world, then that's where your heart's going to be. And see, where you put your attention is where your heart's going to go. Are you there in Hebrews 11? Look at verse number 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having, don't miss this, seen them. Do you see that? Afar off. And were persuaded of them and embraced them. And confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. See, when you've got people who put their eyes on the promises that God gave them, even though they're of afar off. When you've got people that put their sight on the things that God has promised, you know, the attitude they take on is this. We're strangers and pilgrims on the earth. I'm just a pilgrim on this earth. I'm not settling down here. I can lose my house. I can lose my job. I can lose whatever I need to lose. This world is not my home. That's the attitude you take when your eyes are on the things of God. Amen. But notice when you get your eyes elsewhere. Look at verse 14. For they that say such things declare plainly that they... You see this word seek? You see a verse, uh, three, word, uh, three letters there? S-E-E. They seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful, that's what they think about, because mine eye affected mine heart... And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. See, where you put your attention is where you're going to go. Remember when you started learning how to drive? You know, what was something they told you when you started learning to drive? Keep your eyes where you're going, because if you start looking that way, you're going to start going that way. And you know what's the same thing in the Christian life? People start looking at the things of the world. People start looking at the things around them. And they get their focus off of God, and then they start going that way. You're there in Hebrews. Turn one page over to Hebrews chapter 12. Look at verse 2. Hebrews chapter 12. Look at verse 2. Notice what the Bible says. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and it's set down at the right hand of the throne of God. I'm just trying to help you. I'm just trying to teach you how to finish the race. You want to know how to finish strong? You want to know how to get to the end and say, I got no regrets. I'm glad I did what I did. I'm glad that I lived for God. Here's how you do it. You keep your attention towards the right place. You keep your attention looking unto Jesus, looking at, keeping your eyes on the things of God and saying, I'm focused on the heavenly things. Because look, if you keep your attention toward the right place, you'll end up getting to the right place. And today, Christians have their eyes. They will put their eyes. Lot, what was Lot's big mistake? Here's what his mistake was. He lifted up his eyes to the wrong place. Let me give you another point. Go, go, keep your place there in Hebrews. In Hebrews, We're going to come right back to it. Go, go back to Genesis 13. They'll look at verse number 11. The first thing we see is that Lot lifted up his eyes. And actually, you know what? Before we even uh, move on to the second point, let me, let me, let me show you. A little phrase here that I like in Hebrews 13, 10. Notice what it says. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the land. Why don't you notice this phrase? Like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zoar. You say, well, what was wrong with Sodom? Well, here's what's wrong with Sodom. And it's a little bit of a play on words here. But God tells us right from the beginning, hey, look, Sodom was like the land of Egypt. And in fact, Lot was attracted to Sodom because it was like the land of Egypt. Now in the Bible, Egypt always represents the world. In the Bible, Egypt always represents the opposite of God's people. Egypt enslaved God's people. Egypt is always a bad place. It's a negative place. It's a place of bondage. It's a place you don't want to go. And, 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 and Lot was making his decisions based on what was like the land of Egypt. But you know what we got today in Christianity? A whole lot of Christians who want to be like the land of Egypt. Right, amen. You know, let me explain something to you. You know why Pastor Jimenez doesn't get up here wearing a robe? Because that's like the land of Egypt. Y'all know why I don't? Y'all know why I don't have my, you know, collar turned around backwards up here right now? Because that's like the land of Egypt. As I was driving in here today, ABC 10 News was doing a uh, interview with some priest with his collar turned around. Uh, that's an open homosexual talking about how he hates our church or whatever. You know, hey, that's the world. That's why. That's why I don't dress like that. That's why we don't have stained glass windows. That's why we don't have a bunch of crucifixes. Hey, I'm just trying to explain something to you. You know, we don't. You all know why we don't have contemporary music? Because that's like the land of Egypt. Amen. You know why we don't preach out of the NIV or the New King James? Because that's like the land of Egypt. I'm just trying to explain to you, there are, there's a whole Christian movement out there right now that is just trying to be as much like the land of Egypt as possible. Let me tell you, you say, well, what's wrong with Joel Osteen? He's like the land of Egypt. Yeah. What, what's wrong with Rick Warren? He's like the land of Egypt. Yeah. What, what's wrong with Charles Stanley? He's like the land of Egypt. What's wrong with Andy Stanley? He's like the land of Egypt. What's wrong with Bill Hybels? He's like the land of Egypt. What's wrong with 90% of independent formal Baptists? They're like the land of Egypt. Yeah. They're just trying to be like the world. And, and listen to me. Any pastor who's soft on the homos is like the land of Egypt. Yeah. Any pastor who preaches with a pink shirt on is like the land of Egypt. Yeah. Any any guy who wants to put on a lavender shirt, you say, what's wrong with a lavender shirt? It's like the land of Egypt. That's what's wrong with it. Yeah. And you know, as Christians, we need to just take a stand of not just even looking like the world. Right. Just even as- being associated with that, you say, why, Pastor Mendes, why don't you wear skinny pants? Because they're gay? No, I'm Because they're like the land of Egypt, you know? You know you, you, I'm, just, I'm just trying to explain something to you. I don't, even, I don't even like to use that word. I'm sorry. I've just had all these people just influence me. Good night. I'm just trying to explain to you what was wrong. You know, here's the thing. When he looked at Sodom and he's like, man, that looks just like Egypt. And by the way, you ever visit a church and you're like, man, you know, I, when I walked to this church, You know, I kind of felt like back when I used to go to the rock concerts. Hey, just get out of there. Say, well, well, what's wrong? What's wrong with the church having the lights off and having the smoke coming up and having the spotlight? You know, for some of you are a little older. What's wrong with the church having a disco ball? Here's what's wrong with it. It's like the land of Egypt. It's trying to look. Look, we're not trying to look like the world. We're not trying to act like the world. We're not trying to sound like the world. When the world comes in here and says, this is different, I say, praise God. When the world comes in here, people tell me, like, man, this church is so weird. I mean, I've never been to a church like that. I feel like, you know, this is nothing like what's out there. I just think, praise the Lord that we're not like the land of Egypt. Because law was looking at that which was like the world. So, number one, keep your attention towards the right place. But number two, go, go there to Genesis 13, look at verse number 11. Not only do you need to keep your attention towards the right place if you want to end up not being a failure like Lot, but number two, let me say this, you need to keep your association with the right people. Notice Genesis 13, 11. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they, notice these words, separated themselves the one from the other. See, Lot had been with Abraham this whole time. And you know what happened? As long as Lot was with Abraham, Lot was okay. But when Lot separated from Abraham, that was the downfall of Lot. You want to keep from getting backslidden. You want to keep from ruining your life. You want to keep from getting to the end of your life and saying, what happened? Not only do you have to keep your attention towards the right place, but you have to keep your association with the right people. Did you keep your place there in Hebrews? Go back to Hebrews chapter 10. Look at verse 25. Hebrews chapter 10. In verse number 25, the Bible says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as you see the day approaching. See, God tells us that we are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And He says this, as the manner of some is. You know, don't let that be you. Don't let, don't let, you know, don't allow yourself to be the one who's described as that's the Christian that has a manner of or a habit of or a custom of constantly forsaking the house of God. Make sure yours is a testimony of that's a faithful person. I can count on that person. If they're not here, something's wrong. Make sure that's you. Because the Bible says not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but notice, but exhorting. One another. See, so you, you you need to understand this: there is no Christian, not one Christian, that ever does anything for God or ever lives for God that is not connected to a good church. I don't care how many sermons you listen to on the internet. I don't care how many YouTube videos you watch every week. I don't care how much time you spend on Facebook talking about the things of God. If you are not connected in a local church, you will do nothing for God. You will not read the Bible. You will not spend time in prayer. You will not you may do it for a while. You may go through a little season, but the only way to be a consistent Christian is to not forsake the assembly of ourselves together. Because you say, "Well, I can get the preaching online." But you know what you can't get online? The exhorting one another. The friendships, the fellowship, I'm so proud of our church over the last week, how we've came together and we've worked together and we've been united and we've been encouraging each other and we have sending emails and text messages saying, hey, how you doing, you know, and, and, and meeting together and praying together. You can't get that outside of a local church. See, the only way to stay in the right path is to make sure you're associated with the right type of people. Go to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter number 27, if you open your Bible just right in the center, you'll more than likely fall in the book of Psalms. If you just go one book over, the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 27, look at verse number 17. Proverbs 27 and verse number 17. Proverbs 27 and verse number 17. The Bible says, iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friends. You know that the people you hang, up, hang, hang around with and the people you spend time with, the people that fellowship, go- you're going to become like them. Iron sharpens iron. And a good friend is going to sharpen you up. Go to Proverbs 13. Look at verse 20. Proverbs 13 and verse 20. Notice what the Bible says. Proverbs 13 and verse 20. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. The Bible says if you walk with wise men, you'll be a wise man. And you know what? You can put anything in there. He that walketh with lame men shall be lame. You want to know why there's so many lame Christians today? Because they're walking around with a bunch of lame Christians. He that walketh with liberal Christians will be liberal. It's really interesting to me how someone can come from a liberal church, you know, go to church, you know, once every three weeks, and, and, and never go soul winning, and never do anything, and then somehow get connected into a church like this, and after a while, you'd be surprised. They start showing up regularly. They start coming to more than one service. They start going out soul winning. There's just something about when you get around people that love God, you start loving God. And you know, it's interesting. You get around people that read the Bible, you start wanting to read the Bible. You get around people that go out soul winning, you start wanting to go out soul winning. There's something about being together. God did not create us to live alone on an island. He created us to be in a community of believers. And when you walk with wise men, you will be wise. Amen. You say, well, how, how, do, how do I end right? How do I keep from being a lot?" Number one, you keep your eyes in the right place. Make sure the world is not getting your attention. Make sure you're not consumed with the things of this world and you allow the world to be the thing that you are uh, you know, looking at and paying attention to and thinking about. But number two, make sure you keep your associations right. Make sure you're spending time with God's people around, because the downfall of Lot was that he separated himself from Abraham. And when he separated himself from God's people, he began to live a worldly life. Let me give you the third point tonight. Genesis 13, look at verse number 12. Genesis chapter 13 and verse 12. Genesis 13 and verse 12, notice what the Bible says. Abraham dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, Notice what the Bible says about Lot. And pitched his tent toward Sodom. Here's point number three tonight. Keep your direction toward the right place. See, Lot had his attention in the wrong place. Lot had his friendships in the wrong place. And then Lot had his direction in the wrong place. And here's what's interesting about about this passage. is that in Genesis 13, we are told that Lot pitched his tent towards Sodom. What does that mean? I mean, he faced, talking about the direction that that his tent was facing, he pitched it in a way where he was directed and looking and taking in the things of the world. Now, what's interesting about that, that in Genesis chapter 14, we're told in verse number 12, notice what the Bible says, Genesis 14 verse 12, and they took Lot, Abram's brother's son, notice what the Bible says, who dwelt in Sodom and his goods and departed. In Genesis 13, he's pitching his tent towards Sodom. In Genesis 14, he's dwelling in Sodom. And let me tell you something. You start pitching your tent towards the things of this world. You start looking at the things of God, the things of this world, and start allowing them to influence you. Start pitching that way. Start directing that way. It'll just be a matter of time before you're living there. You say, what are you talking about? We're talking about influence. Go to the book of Psalms, Psalm 1, in your Bible there, if you you kept your place in Proverbs, go to Psalm 1, and I want you to notice what the Bible says. See, as Christians, we need to be very careful about the influence that we allow into our minds, through our eyes. Psalm 1, 1 says this, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Let me ask you a question, where do you get your counsel from? You say, I, I've, got a, I've got a question about my marriage. I've got a question about my children. I've got a question about my finances. I, I, you know, where do you get that counsel from? Does that counsel come from the Word of God? Does that counsel come from the things of God? Does that counsel come from the men of God or the people of God? Or do you look at the world and say, well, well here's, here's what my, my friend at work said. Hey, look, the Bible says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. You want to know what Satan wants? Here's what Satan wants. Satan wants a bunch of saved people who don't read their Bibles and just allow the world to influence them. And, you know, the number one tool that he uses is that hell yeah. I mean, vision I mean, think about, you know, you sit down, because the Bible tells us here, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of scornful. You sit in that seat of scornful, you pitch your tent towards Sodom for three or four hours a day, we're told on average, people watch television. And you sit there and allow the world to influence you, allow the world to counsel you, allow the world to brainwash you, allow the world to influence you. Look, you you want to know why there's just all these Christians everywhere, and you preach to them the Bible, you tell them, thus saith the Lord, and they're like, what? I can't believe you would say that. Here's why. Because we have a whole lot of Christians that have pitched their tent towards Sodom. Amen. They're influenced by Sodom, their counsel comes from Sodom, their friendships come from Sodom, everything's about Sodom, and and then, and then it's like, well, good night. Before you know it, you're living there." You say, "Well, you know what's wrong with Lot? Lot was living there. Yeah, but his children were ruined as a result. His marriage was ruined as a result. He was saved, but he was a complete another failure. Psalm 1013, go there quickly, Psalm 1013 says this, Psalm 101.3 says, I will set, Psalm 101.3, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. Let me ask you, what are you putting before your eyes? What are you allowing to influence you? He said, I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. We need to be very careful, because here's the thing. As soon as you start looking at the wrong thing, You'll start going the wrong way and you'll start separating yourself from the people of God. And if I've, seen, I, I've seen it so many times just in the five and a half years that I've passed at Verity Baptist Church. I've seen so many times where I can just I, I just look at a person and say, it's just a matter of time before we never see them again. Because their, their consistency to church begins to fade You talk to them, and all they're talking about is money, and all they're talking about is a job, and all they're talking about is sports, and all they're talking about is the things of this world. I just think to myself, this person's not going to last here very long. Because if your attention goes the wrong place, and your associations go the wrong place, your direction will go the wrong place. And look, it will ruin your life. You need to understand this about Satan. He's not our friend. The Bible says that he walketh about as a lion, seeking whom he may devour. Satan wants to destroy your life. Amen. Satan wants to destroy your marriage. Satan wants to destroy your children. Right. Satan wants to ruin your life. He will act like he's your friend. He will, act, he will try to entice you, but his goal is to destroy you, and Lot fell hook, line, and sinker. Why? Because his eyes were on the wrong things. His heart was in the wrong place. His mind was in the wrong place. He was looking at the things, of God, uh, of the things of this world and he separated himself from God's people. And then he started going that way. So here's the question I have for you. What are you looking at? What's your attention on? What are the things you talk about? I mean, what are the things that you love that you just, you know, I, I'm always talking about this and I'm always talking about that. Hey, look. Don't allow the world to influence you. Don't allow the world to become the number one. The number. Don't make decisions based on money. Every time you make a decision based on money, you'll make the wrong decision. Don't allow money to decide where you go to church. Don't allow money to decide, you know, what you do with your life. Don't allow money to decide the fact that you would leave a church like Verity Baptist Church or a church like Faithful Work. Look, where are you going to go? To the lame church down the street? Or the pastor, you know, so afraid of a shadow, can't even say anything about anybody? Can't stand up and preach anything? Half of them can't preach their way out of a wet paper bag. I mean, they're useless. I don't even know why they're around. You know, I'm so tired of these fundamental Baptists that are just not willing to take a stand. I just wish they'd take the name Baptist off and call themselves community church or whatever. Just join that camp. I don't get this idea of, of I'm going to call myself an independent formal Baptist, but I'm just going to try to be as much like the contemporary movement as possible. Look, either be with us or against us. Right. And you know what? As people, we need to decide, you know, where am I going? Because, it, look, Lot ended up backslidden because he just kind of did whatever. He just looked. He said, that looks good over there. He said, Abraham... I don't need to spend as much time with you. And he pitched his tent one way. He started going one way, and it ruined his life. It destroyed his life. It destroyed his marriage. So where are you going? What will the end of your story say? I'm very concerned in making sure that I finish the race right. There's no, there's no way in the world that I went through this week and then I'm just going to quit on God, to, you know, a year from now. I mean, if I made it through this week, I'm going the rest of the way. I mean, I'm getting that crown of life. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah I'm not going to let somebody take that reward from me. That's right. And I want to encourage you to just say, you know what? I'm going to stick with this thing. Amen. You know, and those of you that are part of our church, let me say something. You know, you say, you say, well, Pastor, you know, I don't know how I can deal with it. There's like four of them out there right now. Okay. <laughs> I think we can outlast them. <laughs> they have swore. They swore that they would pick at every service till we closed our doors. Oh, but, you know, they're covenant breakers. So, you know, I think on Wednesday, there'll probably be just two of them. I'm just saying, stick with it. Stay with it. Decide you're going to finish the race. Decide you're going to stay with God's people. Decide that you will not end as a lot. Let's bow our heads